Hey everybody, I'm Rob Liefeld, creator of Deadpool Cable, X-Force, all of it. And you are listening to Nerd On. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Nerd On, the podcast you didn't need, but you deserve, and where all levels of nerd are welcome. We have a very special episode today, so we're going to get right into it. I am Josh. And I am Tom. And this episode is brought to you in part by the members of the Nerd On Nation that is powered by Patreon. As a member of the Nerd On Nation, you do get fun perks like early access to episodes, you get bonus episodes, you get discounts on merch, you get... Uh, private servers on the Discord uh, server. It's it's a good time. Check that out. Nerdon.io backslash Patreon. And check out that Discord. Nerdon.io backslash Discord. And, of course, a huge shout out to our partners, Apogee, who provided us with these microphones, the Hype Mic, the ultimate podcasting microphone, and... Boom. Odyssey headphones. These, as we have said, if your ears were mouths, they would taste like butter. They are fantastic. So I do suggest checking them out. That is Odyssey headphones, A-U-D-E-Z-E, Odyssey. But today, today we have a very special guest for this very special bonus episode. He is best known as the creator of everyone's favorite Merc with a Mouth, Marvel's Deadpool. His 30-plus career spans work on many of the industry's top-tier comic franchises from both DC and Marvel, including the X-Men, Captain America, The Avengers, Spider-Man, X-Force. Man, the list just keeps going. And he has a brand new G.I. Joe spinoff series called Snake Eyes Dead Game that is out July 15th. And if that isn't enough, if that isn't enough... He has his own podcast, podcast, I can use my words today, called Observations, in which he gives insight into comics history from his personal point of view and his personal memories. Our guest today is none other than Rob Liefeld. Rob, thank you so much for spending some time with us to talk. Um, I know you've probably been doing a lot, uh, especially in these recent uh, days and months coming up to, uh, you know, July 15th, you know, with yes. the launch of uh, Snake Eyes. Um, so how have you been, what you've been up to? How have you been handling with all the pandemic and shutdowns oh. and how you been keeping yourself busy? Well, um, I have three teenagers, 16, 18, and 20. Um, I don't wish that on anybody in a pandemic, okay? <laughs> um, no, they're great kids. They're, uh, my wife and I have uh, really enjoyed, unfortunately, we tell them all the time that they've been trapped with us. Um, because normally they're out and about doing their thing. But otherwise, look, uh, I've, I've seen the memes. I've, I've seen, you know, the comic community pass around like, oh, now you guys know, now the whole world knows what it's like to be, you know, a comic book creator working in isolation. And uh, <laughs> look, I, I kind of really did what I do. I'm, I'm very much a hermit and uh, I don't go out much at all. So the quarantine, while very, we took it very seriously, we take it very seriously. But we were, I mean, we, I remember March 14th, uh, I told my kids we're in, uh, I, I predicted everything's going to get shut down. And by the wow. next Tuesday, everything did because you, you could kind of read the tea leaves and everything that was going on. And like I said, my family's been great. I was able to get a ton of work done 
Um, there were times I was definitely concerned about what was going on in, in the, in society at large, but my therapy came in the form of drawing comics, drawing sketches. Um, uh, I, I started a podcast like Saw yourself that. because I was, um, lonely, uh, <laughs> and I needed someone to talk to. So I decided to talk to myself, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's the long and the short of it is in, in how I coped and continue to cope. Has, nice. um, has this pandemic, I mean, with all that in mind, has it provided um, new challenges for producing a podcast during, I mean, not a podcast, but a comic book during this time? Well, I was honestly wondering, like, I mean, <clears throat> so during the pandemic, here's, here's what I know. All of my comic stores that acted really quickly to get online they did very well. My one, two of my stores actually had to hire more uh, staff to fulfill all the mail order uh, that, 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 that they, the business that they drummed up online because what happened, I believe, this is my take, we all went into lockdown. There was a fear component and mm-hmm. kind of an uncertainty and people turned like they've never turned before into childhood uh, desires or, or things from their past. They Comforts, involved. yeah. And uh, I think that people not able to get comic books for two and a half months, almost three months, started buying favorites from their youth. Oh, uh, yeah. My website, my website started to explode. Um, it, it, it was weird, but the reason I'm telling you that is I made some new covers for existing comics, and my printer, uh, who is in Arizona, was able to print the books, send them to me. I was able to send them out to my, you know, audience that was that was participating in them. And what I, what I really found was the comics community rallied around. And as long as people can print and, and, and I'll be honest, as long as, I mean, I think the post office has been overloaded these last three months. I mean, I know the long, I, I would switch off and take a day of shipping just to relieve my family who all pitched in to help <laughs> the load with the load. Yeah. And I would see the lines grow as people, you know, were mailing so much more. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and look, the community wants their comic books. So as far as me, I create them in the same, the same office that I'm always in every day. Uh, and I've always drawn particular, mostly on a lap board. And I, I have uh, like, you'll, you'll see, and I can actually just quote my son, my 20 year old goes, what's it like dad to never grow up? You, you eat junk food, you play with toys and you draw comic books on a beanbag. <laughs> and I have two beanbags that nice. I sit in. And I have my lap board and I drew, I was drawing GI Joe issue three earlier before I jumped on with you guys. Um, I mean, snake eyes issue three. And, uh, and also IDW called me up and said, Rob, we want you to continue making snake eyes. Oh, I was awesome. anticipating, I was anticipating maybe a, a turndown of the project during the time because there was a lot of uncertainty. The distributor yes. as, as the really the well-read audience members that you have know that the, the, the distribution, the distribution pipeline was challenged. Um, retailers weren't able to let customers in. So it, it was, it was, I think the biggest challenge the industry's faced since I've been around, but you know, creators got to create, right. And yeah. as long as printers can print, we're, we're coming at you. And here's my last thing. Comic books are cheap entertainment. People yes. are finding out, you know, I can't spend $12 to go see a movie right now and get coughed on and get sick. Thank God. But I can pour myself into these comic books, which is, um, as you can see, I have a spinner rack right here. Yeah, you do. And it is my brilliant and it carries everything that I loved as a kid. So that's where my interests are. And, and, and so while the pandemic was not 
fun and is not fun by any means. There's been a great, comic books are a great coping mechanism for me and hopefully for comic book fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. And I, I've been listening to the podcast and, uh, you know, talking a little bit about observations. Um, you know, what, you know, a lot of, a lot of people actually are starting to do the podcast, uh, making podcasts and, you know, a lot of different creators tend to, you know, each, either branch out and all that stuff. What inspired you to share about your upbringing and then also bringing in guests from your personal perspective? Well, it was a big leap in regards to like, would anyone give a crap about this? But it really was born out of isolation and loneliness. That is the one thing, like, because I have about three really good friends and we talk all the time, except Mm. when the pandemic hit, we ran into things to talk about. It's when you're not going out and you're all in every day and, and you're not all, you know, there's no new movies to see the same stuff's on Netflix that was on earlier and you burn through it in a day. And, you know, all of the top talking points kind of faded. So I'm like, man, I should just talk to myself. And uh, so my son told me, he's very technically proficient and said, dad, I can hook you up. I know what you need. I'm going to get you this mic. <laughs> nice. He, I got it for you. Me. He, said, he said, just pay me back, dad. I'm like, here's the money. And, uh, and I started doing it and we were able to get it carried. And uh, look, I, 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 it's a different, Raw Observations with Rob Liefeld is my personal journey with comics. I know a lot of stories. I know where a lot of the bodies are buried. <laughs> um, I haven't even gotten to myself. I've, I've hearkened a couple times to my own professional, um, experiences, but I have not worked up to where I am in the industry yet, because then once you get there, that's 34 years yeah. of, of, um, up close and personal, uh, you know, interaction with this industry that I have participated in and parts of the industry I helped build. And so, so, the, uh, you know, as long as people are listening, uh, hopefully they're entertained, um, the great thing is that I think uh, I, I, my nephew is a real comic book fan and he's also, he turned 18 recently and of the last five years, I mean, he's not just a comic book like movie fan. He's participated in the comic books and he's a consumer store. Yeah. He, he, not he a collector. Is, that's correct. And, and I have given him omnibuses of mm. the Stanley, Steve Ditko, Spider-Man, the Jack Kirby, Stanley, Fantastic Four run, like the old stuff kind of years ago to see if, if this is a real, you know, point of interest. And it was, and that generation doesn't know a lot about comics history because what people have been telling me, see, people keep asking me if I'm going to have guests on and and guests are not going to come on for a long time. I have kind of a co-pilot I bring on occasionally named Jimmy J because he is one of my friends that we have great talks about comics with. And I need the help because as (laughs) much as I can talk for 75 minutes straight, it's nice to get a breather in and have a co-pilot as yeah, you, know, definitely. you guys have experienced yourself. So the thing is, but interviewing guests is not something I really feel like I'm up to yet because, uh, Same. Same. you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> just, I'm just, uh, I just want to talk comics and share, you know, I mean, again, the diversity episode was always coming when it was coming and then it landed in this time where we were just going crazy as a nation and being ripped apart and, and obviously a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, but the, the little Robbie Liefeld in Anaheim, California wanted to be Luke Cage in the worst possible way. I wanted that tiara. I wanted that yellow shirt. I would walk around. The he, was one of, he was one of my most exciting. I always liked the rebels. I, I, I went back recently and examined my first love was Namor the Submariner. Nice. I mean, the guy has a hot temper. He's, yeah. he's angry at everybody. Try and take Susan Storm. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> then, then we had, then, then I was Luke Cage who was the rebel of Harlem, you know, the protector, but, 
but always up against it. And all, all another guy with a bit of a hot temper in contrast to Captain America and Reed Richards, who are yes. not hot tempered guys. Th- those guys didn't interest me as much. Uh, then obviously, then ironically, prior to Wolverine, it was Hercules, Marvel's uh-huh. Hercules. And he was the spoiled brat, hot tempered, yeah. you know, alternate to Prince Thor, demigod. who was the nobleman. Yeah. And then Wolverine. And once Wolverine came, I'm like, I found my guy. He has six knives, stabs <laughs> people. He has a berserker rage. I'm there. So, uh, so, so I've always kind of favored the, the, the hotheads, but Luke Cage right in the middle of that in the 70s with those characters, because again, I mean, Black Goliath came out in 1975. Black yeah. Lightning came out in 1977. Um, Luke Cage, people don't understand. People think, oh, Black Panther was the first no. um, black mm-hmm. hero given his own book. No, it was Luke Cage. He got his own before DC did it. And then DC follows with Black Lightning. And then right around the same time, they, they give Black Plant, Black Panther finally his own showcase. Yeah. But I mean, the comic books industry was always at the fore of this, and and you know, it should be it should be celebrated, it should be investigated, it should be explored, and 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 that's my point of interest. As this long winded answer has told you, <laughs> no, yeah, um, listening to the podcast, it's it's been wonderful because to me, my experience has been like, okay, he's going to talk about his experience. He's a professional, so obviously by trade, he's going to have a lot of cool stories. But the way you go about it feels like, and this is in no way like a, a slide or anything, but it's like this wonderful PBS like heartfelt journey through your experience. And uh, you know, like um, I just got finished listening to the Spider Man and Superman. Uh, episode and like hearing your genuine love um i had a very similar experience my first ever comic book was when spider-man and batman met and so you had venom and carnage and so like i i was i was in those shoes for a second i was like oh yeah and then i was in this cool dark comic book store i felt like it was the most metal thing ever it wasn't quite a liquor store with a spinner rack but right it, it was it was a comic book store and um the way you go about it i love that you also are very cognizant to tell people like hey, you know, DC, Marvel, they have all these echoes of these characters and yes. the artists and they are all like swiping from left from left to right. Yeah. And you can be very honest and say like, hey, but this one, you know, um, uh, this story is the one that resonated with me more. Like just right. they came first, but then Marvel's version is the one that like everyone came out with. It wasn't the Avengers, but, you know, and, you know, talking about sure. Hyperion was like sure. really, really cool. Well, I appreciate that. Look, man, like it's, it's where I live and breathe. And the reason it's warm and fuzzy is because I have never lost that inner kid. And those memories are powerful. Look, I'm going to tell you something I haven't said in the podcast yet, but my family knows it. And even my friends just test me on it. I can tell you what time of day, where, when I bought every single comic book I have ever bought. They ru- awesome. when I'm going through my back issue and I see an annual that I bought on a road trip with my family on our way to New Mexico. There is a rush. It is that. Um, wave of memory that's activated. And 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 one of the, um, it's, it's funny, I won't name his name, but there's a peer who told me several years ago that I was only celebrating my comics of my youth because it was just pure nostalgia and everybody loves what they had as a kid. And I'm like, well, that aside, I believe there's an aspect of that that's true with everyone. But as I've tried to make a point with this podcast is I was fortunate enough, you don't control when you're born. No, nope. but Frank Miller, George Perez, John Byrne, Walt Simonson, we're living in their world still. The last X-Men movie was a John Byrne story. Um, the three seasons of Netflix Daredevil was a Batman story. I mean, I'm sorry, it was a Daredevil story by Frank Miller. Um, the, 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 uh, the, the 
300 movies are a product of what Frank started in Daredevil. The Christopher Nolan and the Zack Snyder depictions of Batman are Frank Miller. This guy is as relevant, maybe more so now, than he was when I was inhaling his work in 1979, 1980, 1981, when he was taking a bi-monthly book that was almost canceled to Marvel's bestseller. And yeah. so it's not that's not nostalgia, you know? And the and the Walt Simonson version of Thor, we're still waiting for Beta Ray Bill. Beta yeah. Ray Bill smashed that logo in 1983. And 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 Lost World, I mean Dark World, which is not a great movie, but Malaketh and the entire plot is Walt Simonson. Open it up. Yeah. I mean, Ragnarok is tons of Walt Simonson, the executioner with machine guns, and they're they're making my childhood into the films. Now, yeah. there's some other stuff that they're picking from, but primarily, primarily, and, and here's the deal. Master of Kung Fu, Shang-Chi was my favorite comic for years. Badass. I would run home and in Southern California, Monday through Friday on the ABC Channel 7 network, uh, before they had talk shows, before Oprah, before Donahue, any of that, the three to five slot, Monday through Friday, was the afternoon movie. You'd get Monsters, Godzilla, all week. Yeah. Then you'd get yes. Bruce Lee all week. Okay, you'd get Westerns, you'd get Samurai films. Because again, you got to program this 52 weeks a year. And uh, so I had inhaled all of that martial arts, Kung Fu. I mean, look, I grew up with, um, I forget what the guy's name is. Uh, it, it, he was the star of Kung Fu. It was a show on- Dave Carradine, um, right? Carradine, thank you, thank you. Yes, that's grab the pebble out of my hand. Yes. Okay, that culture was all over us. So Shang-Chi comes out, is hugely popular. They then give you Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so Marvel was really into that the martial arts stuff. But what movie's getting made? Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Okay, The Eternals is Jack Kirby's 1977 Ooh. opus. Yeah. Opus. It's like he learned from the fourth world at DC. Yeah. He's like, I will now give you a new race of gods, space gods. And again, it's almost an echo of his own work at DC, but now through this newfangled lens, which is more alien focused. But long story short, when did those come out? My childhood. Okay. So that's not nostalgia. That's homework. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> yes. that's, that, that's like research yeah. and it's applicable right now. So I, I, it, it just happened to be right time, right place. And people are responding to it. Raw observations by, with Rob Liefeld, I, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, look it up. <laughs> everywhere. It's therapy. It's my therapy. <laughs> no, it's great. And I, I really like what you talked about how like, you know, echoes and um, the source material is like, you know, you talked, you made the example of um, uh, just the two of us mm-hmm. and how like, you know, with music, a lot of people don't say, oh, that is a stolen thing. There's a little bit more of a camaraderie with it. And now with the movies coming out and you're talking about like how a lot of people don't know a lot of the comic book history of right. things like the research. Um, do you think that there's ever going to be a slippery slope of leaning too much into the source material or drifting too far away from it? Oh boy, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure. I, I, I Look, I think Batman and Spider-Man have had the most exploitation in the culture from Bruce Tim, from Frank Miller to Bruce Tim to Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Christopher Nolan, Zack Snyder. Now you've got Matt Reeves. Everyone's telling different stories, but it's still a cape and a cowl, and he's Bruce Wayne and, you know, um, Spider-Man. Here's the thing I love to say, and, you know, Kevin Feige is a genius. That's, you know, we all bow, you're a genius. But you're not the only genius, Kevin Feige. Um, Lord and Miller, and uh, I forget the director of Into the Spider-Verse. But, Chris Miller and Phil yeah, Lord. 
Yeah. No, no, no. I, that that's Lord Miller, but they produced oh. it. But oh, the okay. director. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm forgetting. And look, that won an Oscar. That, that's the Marvel movie that has an Oscar on yeah. the mantle. And Kevin Feige had nothing to do with that movie. Okay. Um, that is a product of Sony, not not Disney Marvel, and Lord and Miller, and the brilliant talents at Sony. There there are other geniuses that are able to bring you these, and I think they kicked down the door to the multiverse. And now. I'm not sure you could introduce the multiverse in the same way. And I know Dr. Strange talked about the multiverse and the ancient one, but, but seeing and going on a two hour adventure with multiverse characters, the way we did into the spider verse, I feel like it's kicked down the door and prepared everybody for what's to come in live action. And, uh, and, and because I think you're going to see, I mean, when we're reading that Michael Keaton may be in a flash mill flash film, now you're going, Oh, so there's, you know, maybe Tobey Maguire is going to be in Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange. Okay, yeah. like, I mean, I think uh, I you think can explore. It, you can have the imagination. So, so, so versions and interpretations. You know, look, I'll be honest. Batman Begins is my favorite Batman story, and I can't source it. I when I watched it, I was like, I, we went opening night, my wife and I. Batman never trained under Raza's Ghoul before in some monastery up in the Himalayas. That, that is true to Christopher Nolan, right? That is 100%. I was like, wow, he is taking his origin in a different, you know, Bruce Wayne going away and learning stuff. Yeah, that happened. But under the direct tutelage of this man who really is Ra's al Ghul, who is this ancient myth that is, you know, and this, this, this cult that has brought civilizations down, I was riveted by his speeches and his reveal. And, uh, Look, man, hats off to Chris Nolan. He made my favorite Batman product, and it is his own interpretation. You know, um, the later ones would have more echoes of comic book source material, but you can't source Batman Begins. It doesn't exist. He was super fresh, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Same with Deadpool. The first Deadpool movie is an original story that humiliated everyone, including myself, who've ever done Deadpool. It was done way better. Um, having created Vanessa and Wade, but never making them connect in the way that they did in that first 20 minutes. That's why people loved Deadpool, the movie, the first one so much. Morena and Ryan, that chemistry. Phenomenal. If you don't care about them, you don't care about the journey. Now, everything else is familiar, but you know what else they did that was way better than me or anyone that followed? The suit is red because you don't see him bleed? Hello. And I've told <laughs> Rhett and Paul like, Bow, bow, like, <laughs> you guys, this is this is genius Smart. stuff. Like they went and took the material to a better place than it had ever been. And look, that's that, that's because they were able to collect all of it. You know, our blood, sweat, and tears. They collected it. Take and a risk. Said, we we can we can kind of exercise some certain concepts from this and take them in a better place. Now, Deadpool two was much more comic booky and had much more reflections and echoes of the comics. But that first movie, man, I remember reading it going, this is the best Deadpool I've ever encountered ever. And when people say, well, who's your favorite Deadpool writer? I'm like, yeah, uh, Rhett Reese, Paul Warnick, and Ryan Reynolds. And <laughs> let's argue about that because I'll win. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, so, from, from you, it's yourself. So, you know, they don't exist without me and I'm giving them the crown. Okay. It's that simple. So, but yeah, like I said, and it's fun. And look, on my shelf right here, I have a 60. Statues, action figures. Yeah, you know? we were oogling at them before you and, got on. And and they are all a different interpretation. You know, 
There's not, cable have, has a different face in every one of them. Some of Deadpool's faces are more angular. Some are more angry. Some look goofy. Everybody does their own thing, right? With, yeah. with, with, I mean, and, and we enjoy them. Now are some, do I like more, some more than others? I do, of course. you know, but I won't, you know, diminish the ones I don't like by going, this sucks. Can't condemn I'm just, it. I'm glad it exists. Even the ones I don't like much, I'm, I'm so happy they exist. Yeah. So, um, turning it back to Kong books, um, specifically, you know, you raised over $75,000 for local comic book stores during right. this time. So they wouldn't close, which I think is really awesome. And it shows Thank the, you. um, you know, the community, the, uh, the, the community, but also the, the, the sake, the sacredness of the comic book creators that we know and love who've developed everything that, you know, kids are growing up now and adults are loving and paying, um, uh, you know, dollar for dollar for, um, come back to the community and come back to the comic book stores. Um, but we're also here to talk about um, your new combo coming out. Uh, and Josh got some questions for you. I do, do I do. Um, so of course we got the, the 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 press release, but I want to ask you some stuff that wasn't in that. Like having sure, read sure. the comic, the first issue a few times, yes. what what inspired this new story for you? Because I know that you are a fan of GI Joe. What inspired yeah. this for you? Like why now? Okay, so. IDW called me up a year ago when Major X was coming out. The first issue hit. And Chris Ryle, who's the publisher of IDW, and a good buddy of mine, texted me that afternoon and said, Rob, Chris, hey, dude, is it time? Should we do G.I. Joe now? Are, are you able to slot this in? And G.I. Joe has always been a passion of mine. IDW had me do a few covers of G.I. Joe over the years, but that was all I interacted with them. And honestly, I thought that's all I'm going to interact. I felt like that was the level of my bucket list interaction because um, – you know, here I've got my, my, so, so in um, 1974, wow. I bought this guy right here, the, the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Um, nice. uh, and, and uh, again, it says right there, Kung Fu grip. I mean, that's how they marketed him. And, and, and here, here is my, 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 my main man awesome. with the real hair stitched in. It's so creepy, but um, yeah, he, he's <laughs> awesome. And, and, and this was my first love. GI Joe is my 100%, my first love. This was the sandbox. Uh, Action figure, really, my dad called it a doll. Are you playing with dolls now? Yes, I am, mm-hmm. Dad. Um, and my dad loved me. He always encouraged me. But I think he, he was like, they're making dolls for boys? I'm like, they sure are. And uh, <laughs> Hell yeah, they are. And, and yeah, no, 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 I, I loved it. And, and look, whoever, I think obviously it was an industry-wide problem, which is why they started making action figures mm-hmm. and they shrunk them down, right? So, but I bridge this, you know, these two, because this is 1974, I'm seven years old. Uh, this is what was on the market. He was an adventure team hero, no longer associated with the military because they pulled away because of the Vietnam war. They made him an adventure hero and gave him kind of more superhero friends and aliens to battle. And that was my focus. I love GI Joe. I dug him. I was obsessed with him. He traveled everywhere with me. Then one day he wasn't on the shelves anymore. I was too young to understand. Like they discontinued that line for the time. Mm. But then in 82, 83, I call it the Reagan era rebirth, the real American hero, and uh, w- which is where we get, you know, I know this is a, a, a modern version of the original Snake Eyes, but I have the goggle Snake Eyes behind me. Nice. But the thing is that uh, <clears throat> I was there when that stormed the comic book shelves too, and the cartoons and the commercials for comics, and it was a really exciting time. And see, that, that, that G.I. Joe number one with them all jumping out and the tank, and was just like, whoa, this is this new level of G.I. Joe. Because the thing is, this guy didn't get a comic book. No. Guy, there was no cartoons, no movies, no comic books. What they did is, for the adventure team, there was one-page ads drawn by John Romita Sr. 
that Hasbro bought in Marvel Comics in the comics of my youth. And it was promoting the Kung Fu group, the Eagle Eye, uh, some new characters that he was interacting with. And so when I got the chance to do G.I. Joe, I was going to do it all in one. And that is why I'm mashing up my love of Snake Eyes, who is the first guy I ever saw wield a machine gun and a katana, okay, pistol and a katana, <laughs> not a ninja, not a soldier, both. but both, yes. okay, both. so pretty badass. And again, you know, again, I tell people, this is the first time I ever saw this. And that's why eventually, you know, you got you got this, because, mm. because you don't get this unless he does it first, okay? And uh, now, obviously, I uh, I wasn't bold enough to go mute and I didn't need a mute. I needed a smart ass who would play off of Cable's straight man, tough guy, but I'm getting ahead of myself. GI Joe presented a great challenge to me when they called and asked me if I could do it. I feel like it needed a shot in the arm. I went to the comic store to get some GI Joe comics and nobody had any. And I was really pissed off because I couldn't believe that I wasn't mad at the stores. They're, they're protecting themselves. They said, we don't carry G.I. Joe for the shelves. If we want, we can subscribe it for you. You know, you can put it on your subscription. But after Chris called me, I went to the stores to research where it was at right now. I kind of have followed it, you know, from arm's length in recent years. But I wasn't up on every G.I. Joe storyline. And uh, so they didn't have this on the shelves at in Anaheim, in Orange, in Tustin. And it did not discourage me. It emboldened me. It pissed now my you childhood have a purpose off. to bring G.I. Yeah, Joe oh, to the oh, world. My, my seven-year-old self was pissed at the idea that, what do you mean? I mean, I can count. I, I, I know how to do the letters A, B, C, D, E, F, G, G. <laughs> What's missing from here? There's nothing in the G section. You have Green Lantern. Where's G.I. Joe? We don't carry it, Mr. Liefeld, but we can, we can you know, carry it on a, on a, on a request basis. And wow. look, that's how tight the margins are for comic stores, right? Yeah. And I talked to two stores yesterday. Right now, as well as a lot of them have done selling online, they still are trying to protect their backside and they don't want to be carrying unsold. Because again, you know, I live in California and we are dancing with a complete shutdown again. And that mm-hmm. means curbside pickup and a complete retrenchment in what everyone thought they were leaving behind in May. So we're always thinking about that. But if I'm going to do G.I. Joe, I'm going to mash it up. I'm going to bring my 74 love, merge it with my 1982, 83 love. And the main thing is he needed a great villain. And I pitched to Hasbro this ancient evil that could, that had no ties to Cobra and no ties to GI Joe that, but would get on both of their radars immediately and would pose a great threat to Snake Eyes and the Joes. And you know what? IDW and Hasbro have been behind me 100%. That's they were awesome. thrilled. They were they gave me the green light. I have not made any story alterations as yet. And uh and it's it's just been a blast. And That's awesome. So it, I I also want to kind of approach this really quick. When I took over Captain America in 1996, as I was drawing the first issue, I was on the phone with another huge talent in the comics industry named Dan Jurgens. Who mm. of Superman and Death of Superman yeah. fame? He had just finished doing a Marvel DC crossover, Marvel versus DC, the intercompany crossover. He was one of the primary artists, <clears throat> and we were talking about some work he was going to do for me. And he said, "Hey, Rob, what are you doing?" And I said, "I'm drawing Captain America." And Dan said, "Rob, isn't it so special drawing him? I mean, when I was drawing him, I just you, you get like this inspiration as you're drawing him. He's that 
special of a character. And I said, yeah, I, I get that. And the reason I'm telling you that is I got that drawing snake eyes. When mm. I was doing finishes on the page, I'm like, this care, like drawing him in action sequences, not just covers, not just pinups and, and getting a feel for the character was so exciting. And I felt like the, like, it's an honor. And, and these are iconic characters and, and, and hopefully we, we can, you know, a badass. <laughs> he's so ridiculously amazing yeah, and is. so, re- and, and, uh, moves cool. There's a way he moves like, you know, it's just, it's just great. I, I, I rewatched a bunch of the cartoons. Yeah. Um, obviously I have, I, I, I have, I think I have 20 different snake eyes action figures. This is my preference, obviously the newest one, but if I were to back you up to my table right there, six of them are behind that chair that you can't mm. see, but they're up against the wall on my table. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, uh, this is the ultimate sandbox, ultimate mashup. And I, I just got the copies myself, the printed copies, uh, this morning and I could not be more thrilled. Tantalizing. You know, great. <laughs> it's awesome. What are you most excited for the fans to see with this new bringing G not only bringing GI Joe to hopefully a wider audience, but what else? Like, what are you excited for? Well, we, we were fortunate that we have achieved a wider audience from 3,000 sales to now over 60,000 sales. We, That's awesome. we, we got people excited and hopefully they'll be hitting, you know, they'll be picking this up and, and I'm excited for them to see the breadth. Again, I, 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 I may or may not have um, inserted a friend of mine in the book and, uh, and, and, <laughs> no spoilers, and, and, no spoilers. Was, and it was exciting to, to interact, you know, maybe mash up my childhood interest, but I like the bad guy where the bad guy's going, the mission that it presents against snake eyes and what he's going to have to do to, to kind of thwart. Cause the, the first issue is like a great first act. And, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm set. I think it's a good setup for where we're going and you're, and you're going to get the idea that there is this bad guy that can throttle all of them unless they, um, you know, thwart the ultimate plans that he has. And if he's been defeated before he can be defeated again, but it takes, uh, great effort and a perfect combination of uh, objects, which are ironically weapons of war, because what our bad guy Kurrigan wants to do is uh, summon the dead game, which is only achieved through the Sword of the Dead. But the Sword of the Dead has battled against other mythological weapons throughout history. And we're going to keep depicting that in flashbacks as we move towards Snake Eyes, kind of agenda and the Joe's agenda in, in, in getting the objects they need to thwart our bad guy and his master plan. It, it's almost like a GI Joe story meets an Indiana Jones story. There's yeah. definitely objects and MacGuffins and we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. And there are more 1974 adventure team characters coming. Cause that <laughs> excites me. Okay. That's awesome. That's no, it's awesome. so metal. I I love the flashback or the, the some of the history stuff that you drop in the first one, and I'm just like, this is so awesome. If I see Thank more you. of this, it's like it's it's great. It's, I don't want to give away things, but there are so many yeah. things that I'm like, that was good. Yeah, so, no, that was good. So I appreciate. Look, I really appreciate that. Look, I I I I just I wanted to do my childhood a solid. Okay, that's awesome. And and and, and really, I feel like I have a, a blood debt to Snake Eyes. Deadpool has told me <laughs> I have a blood debt to Snake Eyes. So, so I'm, I'm trying to, to do him upright and, and, and hopefully people show up and they enjoy it. And, you know, I, before I got on with you guys, I was skimming the internet and there was a, a, a reviewer who said, I'm going out of my comfort zone. I have never bought a GI Joe comic, but I am taking a, a, a leap with Liefeld and That's put it on awesome. the recommend list. And, and I have 
on my Instagram comments, on my Facebook, people are telling me this is the first GI Joe they're ever buying. And so if you've enjoyed my X-Force work, if you've enjoyed my Deadpool work, you are going to enjoy this. It is in the same, I, I try and tell people, and this was my concern with Hasbro, I put Snake Eyes in a Rob Liefeld story. I didn't put Rob Liefeld in a GI Joe story. Like that's awesome. I tried to switch it up and it's worked out so far. I'm very excited. That's awesome. Wow. Okay, so we have one last question. It's very important. Yes. Here at Nerd On, we not only like to interview our guests about what they do, but we like to talk to them about something that they're nerdy about. And in your podcast, Rob Observations, you talk a lot about film. I want to yes. know, what is your favorite movie? Oh, that's easy. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, period. End of story. Um, done, done. Um, I've made all my kids watch it. Um, what people don't, what, so I, I showed it to my wife when we were, married 25 years ago. And I said, I, I, I had the laser disc and uh, yes. I just ordered it and come in. And I said, Joy, this isn't a cowboy movie. Um, it's a, it's the blueprint for everybody cop film that would follow 48 hours, lethal weapon, rush hour are all based on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid, because it is a timeless movie. Their dialogue was not written like Western guys. If you follow even the first 20 minutes of just what Paul Newman is, is his dialogue, what he's espousing. Um, they're, they're, they're dry back and forth. It is very modern. And, uh, and, and you don't get better than Redford and Newman. I mean, Hell these yeah. guys, the camera Hell, loves them. Yes. Yeah. They are amazing. So yeah, no, no, that, that tops my list. It always has. Um, I'll just give you my number two because I was there nine years old. You're not going to get better than Star Wars, 1977. Okay. okay. You, you know, look, I'm the generation that went and saw it. I saw it every weekend, twice a weekend. By the time summer was over, I had hit 38 screenings. I went with my cousins, my best friends. Um, wow. We, we, we went, it was our babysitter. It was parents of the 1977 kids were like, dropped us off at the theater at noon and picked us up at five after we saw the movie twice on Saturday. Okay. And, and the thing is, in that movie, that's back when movies played from June or May to December. I mean, I don't, I don't ever remember Star Wars leaving the theater. It just kept, you know, performing. And what I tell people is we did not, there was no sequels. Like no. I didn't, I didn't. And when they get those medals and when Luke finally puts away that, I mean, I hear right now, no, 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 You know, use the force, Luke. And he puts away the, the sight guide, the locator, and just, fires and when that death star blows up and and more importantly that metal ceremony and chewy and everyone oh that is electric <laughs> and it's a perfect film it is it never needed anything more you could destroy all the sequels and star wars is a perfect film standalone about yeah. a boy that has a dream and the fulfills hero's it journey and becomes, that's it and, yeah. and and like i love obviously I, I love that they've gone beyond it but it it never, it, it wasn't, it wasn't needed. And my generation didn't go to it thinking it was the first part of a multi arc story. Right. So, but yeah, so Butch Cassidy, Sundance kid, I watched it as a kid on the Sunday night movie. Again, ABC channel seven, we would get home from church and twice a year they were playing Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. And in the commercial, it would show them jumping from the rock into the, I can't swim. Like that was how it was marketed. We'd go over to a friend's house after church and with another family and we'd all gather around the TV. I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm making this sound like campfire stories. Like I came from like <laughs> little house in the prairie, but, but we'd watch Butch Cassidy and the science kids. So obviously I didn't see in the theater, but in the recent years, the theaters around us, uh, the, the theaters around us have put it out as a retro screening, That's you know, awesome. 
And so I have my, my family saw it on the big screen, you know, and oh, what a movie. Anyway. That's awesome. Well, Rob, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, again, audience at home, uh, check out Rob's podcast, Rob's Servations. It's on Apple Podcast. Check it out. Um, and definitely, definitely check out Snake Eyes Dead Game. Can't recommend it enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank support you so a comic much, Rob. store. Yes. Yes. Thank you, guys. Hey, yeah, let's support comics, buy comics. Um, Consume, thanks not for having clutch. me on, guys. Thank you so much. So I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And after reading Snake Eyes Dead Game, the first issue, I am so excited for the rest of the series and even looking into more of the G.I. Joe uh, comic books. Um, I wore the right pants for this occasion. I know you did. You you came prepared. <laughs> I did. Um, everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. Uh, do share us with your friends, your family, your rivals, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, do stop by, rate and review us wherever you listen. If you are watching on YouTube, do consider subscribing. Do like this video, share it. You know the, the thing. Just get it out there. Tell the world support about a, Nerd on the Podcast. And support a comic book store. Stay safe uh, and stay strong for everyone out there. Uh, we're very excited to release this uh, episode out. And we're hoping that everyone that listens uh, can enjoy it as well. Definitely. Um, but yeah, that's been it. You know the drill. As always, nerd, nerd on. on.